art is the way that I heal. It's the way that I encounter my wounds. And it's my way of not only encountering my wounds, but like overcoming those wounds, uh, choosing joy in spite of and through the healing process. All of that happened through the art. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. And okay, guys, on the podcast this week is John Clarence Stewart. He's a multi-talented actor, singer, poet, artist, and overall incredible human being. And you might recognize John from his role as Simon on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist or Lionel in What If? But really... At the heart of John's acting and performing is a deep connection to self and a sense of vulnerability and intimacy that stems from his own personal spiritual journey and really a courage to jump in. And so I was so excited to sit down with John to have this conversation. It is so good and so powerful. And I promise you, by the end, you will be cracking up listening to us. You'll be laughing at me, but also with me. This is just such a good conversation and I'm so excited to share it. John and I really chat about where his acting journey began, growing into and claiming his voice and how he's used art as a form of healing. We talk about his spiritual journey and really stepping into this space as a writer and a poet using his art to explore deep emotions and the vulnerability, intimacy, and courage that it really takes to explore life. Plus, John shares with us how he's changed his perspective of joy. He shares one of his beautiful poems with us at the end of the episode, so make sure to listen all the way through for that. His biggest dream and so much more. This conversation, this episode with John is honestly one of my favorites to date and it is so good and so powerful and I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. So make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Follow along on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help the podcast get seen by new people. So when you leave us that review, take a screenshot and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com and I'll send you a little something something to say thank you. As always, to learn more about today's episode, head on over to the show notes section of our website. Everything is there from how to connect with John to the books and resources that we chat about in today's episode. And I'm honestly so in awe of this conversation and so grateful that John and I had a chance to sit down for the podcast. So without further ado, here is my conversation with John Clarence Stewart. I want to learn more. I want to dive in. What has your journey been coming to acting and and performing? Well, I mean, my journey to acting and performing started, if I want to really get into the genesis, it's probably me in my room playing um, just with my imagination with little toys back in the day. Um, I remember my mother, she used to uh, 
knock on the door and then she would open the door and say, John, who's in here with you? And it would be just me playing, <laughs> using different voices. And, and yeah, that's a little, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a lot, but, but, but I had a, a, a couple of bust of ma- imagination even then. And, um, then I went to sports, right? I thought that was going to be my path and puberty was, you know, not kind to me. So, or just, lingered just lingered away for a long time so I kind of missed that opportunity and um I stumbled into an audition at my high school and a teacher of mine asked me if I sang and I I refused three times um and she goaded me into singing happy birthday until I sang happy birthday and then I wound up in the show at school and I asked my mother uh, a few weeks ago, I said, Mom, how did I tell you about being in that play in high school? And she said, John, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me anything. I had to find out through, like, the teachers who were my friends that you were doing a play. Like, you didn't say anything about it. I told them, then when I got the news and I said, hey, John, you're, you're, you're doing a play in school? I was like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Super yeah. casual was like, about it. Like, no big deal. Yeah. I'm just yeah. in this play. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, that's kind of a trend throughout the years, but that was all the genesis of it. Um, falling in love with storytelling and uh, the art of it um, came a little bit later. Uh, and that's when I found that like my father, I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor. Um, I took my own path, but there are certain parts of the storytelling that I think are integral to who I am and how I connect with art. And when I was in, college and leaving college through that time, I fell in love with the power of storytelling and the power of being used as a vessel, um, being moved by other people's performances and this idea of being able to craft, being able to comment on archetypes and being able to craft new archetypes and push conversations forward. And so, yeah, that's how I kind of came into the whole acting thing. I love, I love that your mom found out about this play like later on. And I think it's so interesting that you asked her, how did I tell you about it? Because I think it's so interesting. Like the, sometimes the things that we pursue or that we do, and I love what you said, your, your connection to your art, it, it evolves, I think, as our comfort level with ourself evolves. Um, and almost mm-hmm. maybe this sense of self-worth or self-confidence. Have you found that to be true for you as well? The more maybe you grew into your voice or grew into who you are, um, maybe there was like a level of like self-confidence that came along with that. Because at least I have found that my connection to my art, which I think is is the podcast, um, my connection mm. to it, how I share about it, what I do with it has changed, I think, as I've, I've grown into it more. Absolutely. I, I think that's a that's an incredible point. I think that art, I think that sometimes, at least when I was younger, I used to separate my art from my life. Mm-hmm. I used to think that I'm living here and then my art is over here. And I've realized as I've grown into my art and that art is um, woven into me. Mm-hmm. It's part of me. The way that I see the world is through my art. Um, the way that I interact with people is through my art. Um, and all of these different living experiences, it makes my art be the, the kind of uh, milieu that I pour into the characters and that I draw that, that well that I draw from is filled up with the living of life. Um, and with, uh, coming into myself as I've lived, coming into my identity, coming into, 
um, like you said, a sense of self-confidence. Um, and also, most importantly for me, art is the way that I heal. Mm. So it's the way that I, I, um, it's the way that I encounter my wounds, and it's my way of not only encountering my wounds, but like overcoming and being and like overcoming those wounds, um, uh, choosing joy in spite of and through the healing process. All of that happens as uh, through the art. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that is so powerful and it's so true. I love that you said that art has also been your form of healing because as you were talking, I kept thinking about how really storytelling, when we share stories and we tell stories, there's always an aspect I think of self that shines through. And it's it's fascinating what you said that art is healing as you dive deeper into it. Uh, you were able to explore more of who you are. Did you find that art and healing brought you to a greater sense or space of spirituality? I'm thinking about what you shared about your father being in the church. Was that heavily woven together for you? It it was. Um, my father and being in the church was uh, a, a primary tenet of the way I grew up. And through art, I was able to kind of uh, take the meat from that experience and extract the bones from that experience and find my own relationship to spirit, find my own relationship through storytelling and through art to spirit and spirituality, which then uh, influences greatly the way that I see the world, um, challenges uh, through art. I, I'm constantly challenging how I see the world, what I'm receiving, what language I use. The storytelling is so much of it in the form of acting, it's, it's, a, it's a visual medium, but there's also a lot of language. So what language am I using to articulate my experience of spirit and taking responsibility for the language that resonates as true with me? Um, and then uh, unpacking when there's language that resonates as true that is outside of my experience and, and as opposed to rejecting that or running away from it moving forward into that space with a lot of curiosity. And that has been pivotal in my spiritual life because I don't identify as Christian anymore, uh, but I do identify as deeply spiritual. And through my path as an artist, as a actor, writer, singer, and dancer, I find that all of these elements are my ways of, if I was going to talk about it through the lens of the Christian faith, it would be like my ways of worship. Um, if I was going to talk about it in uh, terms of other faiths, like my way of communing with awareness, my way of communing with um, humanity or energy, or uh, my way of channeling um, energy from one place to another. Uh, so there's a lot of different language, but the tools, um, the tool that I use is my body and my words and rhythm um, and mm. song. I think that's so interesting because... For so many of us, when we listen to music or we make music or write poetry, it serves as this really interesting bridge to um, tapping into a part of yourself, I think, that maybe you wouldn't otherwise be able to. I know when I sit down and I'm journaling and whatever sort of like floods on the page, I always read it back and I'm like, did I just write that? <laughs> like, that doesn't sound like mm -hmm. me. It's like this ability to, I think, tap into a deeper part, a deeper sense of who you are and it allows you to um, maybe experience your life through a different lens and in a different way. 
And I keep going back to art as healing because for I think for so many mm. of us, we're not always brought up in a family or in a culture or in a space where exploring that level of deep emotions is something that's modeled for us or something that we feel mm. um, that we're safe to do. I'm curious if that has been your experience um, with emotions and with healing and and with using your art in that way to allow you to to explore all of that. Absolutely. I mean, you're, I feel like you're reading pages out of my life, you know, and, <laughs> and so many of the, I mean, yeah, because it's so many, and so many other people that I know, uh, but specifically for me, um, emotions, emotions were not something that I, I put, uh, I didn't have language for my emotions. Um, I, I made my upbringing was kind of wrapped around coping mechanisms and mm-hmm. beliefs that buffered me and that kept me safe in parentheses, but really just kept me in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep, kept me like in a, in a very, in a cocoon of fear um, for a very long time. And it was through art and through storytelling that I, I stepped into other people's shoes. And when I stepped into other people's shoes, I had to, I had to, I had to think about all of the circumstances that made them who they are. And at first coming into these characters, I would think, man, there's no way that I would ever do this or that. There's no way that I can play this or that role because they're so far away from me. Mm-hmm. But then I found the more I dive into these characters, the more of this humanness, the more of this, this beingness that exists in all of us. Um, and that is influenced, yes, by uh, where we are, who our parents are, what vessel we are, we come into the world as. It influences, that influences everything. But at the, at the genesis, we're all this beingness. And I'm tapping into that. It's been paramount. Yeah. And to your point about writing as well, I've been writing journals and such for years. And that was the first safe space that I found where I could put my emotions and was in a pen to paper. And just now, after, I don't know, over a decade of journaling and writing poetry and prose, et cetera, um, now, after all that time, am I stepping into this space as a writer? And claiming that space is my own and um, claiming my the voice that I have as a writer in the world um, and seeing the value of of sharing this thing also about those that that emotion, those emotions, I think that uh, a lot of times we're so we're taught to or I was taught to run away from or to suppress. I mean, the thing is, that's, that's the, those are the ingredients for alchemy, those mm-hmm. emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, when we have those things, that's the raw material, and with the experiences that we have, and we find the, the tool or the modality that works, and with, when I'm writing or doing some kind of artistic endeavor, that's like, it's like taking all of the ingredients and putting it into the kiln and shaping it into something, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Claiming your voice, and I... That is really powerful because I think a lot of us don't realize we haven't done that. We don't know we haven't claimed our voice, claimed our space um, in the world, whatever that might look like for somebody. And I have found that in claiming your voice is this process of learning 
to love your voice. And it's this deep process Mm. of from that space of claiming it and from that space of learning to love it. And you find this space of acceptance. That's when sharing comes in, but it's still like this Mm. act of tremendous courage, I think, to then go ahead and share something that has been so private and maybe intimate to you. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you when you first started sharing your poetry? I mean, were you nervous? Did you have butterflies or did you feel like ready? And like, this was the next, the next part of uh, your art that you were ready to share? Honestly, I I felt, I felt terrified. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But there was this, there was this, I was in this um, limbo. I was in this limbo where there was something in me that knew that there was another step but I was so afraid of whatever that would look like. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was a, I just, there was another step and I didn't know what it was. And then uh, one of the pivotal moments for me was, um, I, I've shared my poetry with my little brother for a long time, but you know, he's family. So it's one thing to share things with family, mm-hmm. but I had a friend of mine who's a playwright and director. And I mentioned that I've been writing for a number of years and that I, have uh, compiled a lot of the things that I've written. And he just offered, he said, hey, I'd love to read some of the stuff that you have. And I think after he asked me if I would send him some stuff, and I said, yeah, I'll get it right to you. And I think it was maybe a month later that I ended up sending him anything. Um, <laughs> all of the resistance was yeah. there. Just made me feel, uh, like you said, it's just so vulnerable and I felt naked and I felt so... Um, like I was allowing myself to be seen mm. and he read it. And when he read it, he responded very well to it um, and was very affirming. And it's interesting that even with his affirmation, I, I still did not believe him. He affirmed me and he said, you know, this is wonderful. You are a writer, all of these things. And yet my worth, he, he was like, he was pouring this, um, affirmation into a cup with an empty hole. Mm-hmm. So it was like there was still work that I had to do on my own. There was still an acceptance. And uh, like you said, I think that you articulated so beautifully about what it is to 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 hear our voice, to um, kind of own our voice. I had a teacher back in the day, a, a music, a, a, a vocal teacher, and he asked me, he said, John, have you ever heard what you sound like? Hmm. And I said, no, actually, I've never. He said, have you ever like recorded yourself and listened to yourself sing? I said, no. He said, then you don't know your voice. You don't know how you sound. He said, you have to listen to your voice so that you fall in love with your voice before you can get expect anyone else to fall in love with your voice. Because otherwise, you're singing these ideas of all of these other voices. And you haven't yet created the space for your own voice to be a seedling and then grow. Mm. And I was like, I was like, geez, man. And it was terrible <laughs> at first. I didn't want to. I, I listened to my voice and I was like, this is terrible. Uh-huh. I don't like this. I want to sound like anybody other than me. <laughs> You're like, no more. I'm yeah, done. Right? <laughs> but that's the same thing with the, with sharing poetry. I felt the same way and taking that time. But, now, as I shared it more and opened myself up more, uh, I've noticed that that feeling of being naked, mm-hmm. that's vulnerability. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Um, 
that feel in that feeling of being seen, that's intimacy, and that's a good thing. Um, that's something to lean into. That's the that's the thing that pulls out those emotions that alchemy it requires. So if I if I lean into that and I keep myself open and supple in that way, and I trust that you know anybody that's encountering something that uh, I'm a, I'm a vessel to bring something into the world. Anyone that's encountering it has their own entire life experience that they're bringing into the space as well. Mm-hmm. So based on that alchemy, they're going to receive whatever they receive from it, and I'll receive whatever I receive, and that's all. I don't have to. I think this fear of almost the fear of the telephone game when mm-hmm. it comes to it, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, I don't want it to get away from me because. I won't have control over how people feel and I want them to feel a certain kind of way. I want them to have this kind of experience as opposed to releasing it and allowing them to encounter it however they encounter it and trusting that whatever that is, it's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is so interesting. The whole time when you were speaking, I kept going back to that cup you were talking about and how the bottom of the cup was like you were pouring into a cup with the bottom already out. And it's really when we do that work on ourselves and we build up that sense of worthiness and we dive into those uncomfortable spaces, which, which you so beautifully shared is really where that vulnerability lies. That's where we can start to build out that bottom of the cup for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I have found at least a very similar experience to you of wondering and worrying almost what is someone else's experience going to be um, when they interact with something that I share or something that I create. And I always remind myself that as long as I am standing, I think, in my own integrity, in my own self-worth, and I know where it's coming from, from me, um, that that's kind of all that matters in that moment. And it's something I have to keep Mm -hmm. reminding myself as I continue to worry and continue to, you know, ask myself, how is this going to be received? What will someone think? What will their experience be like? Um, But I I keep coming back to that space of if I'm sharing from, I think, a space of love and integrity and my truth, um, that that's all that matters. I think in that moment. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. I mean, there's only so much, I mean, I love that they're taking control of, or being, not control, but taking responsibility mm-hmm. for the things that are inside, that are inside of your boundaries. Yeah. And I think that's also the key to freedom. Yeah. Inside of creativity, because it's so easy for a creative spirit to try to, for it to take on things that aren't its duty, mm-hmm. that aren't what it's supposed to take on. Um, so being able to like, have those boundaries and know what you are responsible for and being, like you said, in integrity with yourself, um, which is for me, that's been an ongoing process Mm. of realizing, okay, being able to know when I am in integrity with myself and when I am not, when I am moving or doing something or reacting in a way to an either an opportunity or a person or a something that's happening in my life, if I'm doing something in a way that's reactive and it takes me out of my integrity, um, as opposed to uh, remaining in my integrity throughout. And then in those moments when I make a decision, like I remember doing a show years ago 
And everything in me said, don't do it. Hmm. Everything in me said, don't do it. It's just not the right use of your time, of your creativity. It's just not the right use of it. And I was so afraid of not doing anything, in parentheses. I felt like I was so afraid of not doing anything, of getting stagnant and not moving at all. Mm-hmm. So afraid of that, that I just said, you know, I'll, I'm just going to do it because it's something to do. Hmm. And it ended up, there was a, it cost me to do that. Um, it also gave me a valuable lesson and I had to forgive myself for moving out of my integrity and, and, and remind me that I can trust myself, even though I, I moved outside of my integrity. It's like, I, I recognize that. I see that. I trust me. I trust me enough to do the thing that I know I need to do, um, regardless of what, you know, anyone around me says um, or kind of admonishes me to do. Yeah. That, yeah. Boundaries. I feel like something we all are continuously learning about and working on redefining, refining, and there's boundaries within your own creativity that I think you only know about when you've had experiences like the one that you just shared, where maybe you did something because you felt like you should do it or you didn't want to, you know, be stagnant. And then you realize, wait, okay, I actually have a boundary within my own my own spaces of whatever I do for work or my creativity or my life or my friendships or whatever it might be. The idea of boundaries brings me to something else that I was thinking about while you were sharing, which is something that I always remind myself of too, which is trying not to live in that space of fear like you shared and live in that space of, oh my God, like what if I'm not doing enough? And it reminds me, my hands always do this when I talk about something like this, my hands always like go into a fist and it looks like when you're on a roller coaster and you're kind of like white knuckling your life in a way. And so I have to always remind Mm. myself to not do that and to sort of open up my hands and open up my palms and be able to receive and refine and define my own, um, boundaries or path or, um, experiences, but there's gotta be boundaries within that space of receiving. There has to be boundaries Mm. within that space of, creating your own path or defining what your next move is going to be that feels good and in integrity for yourself. There has to be boundaries within that. Because before I used to think like, okay, I'm like receiving, I'm like going to do what I need to do. I'm going to be open, whatever the next steps are going to be. But you still have to have boundaries. You still have to know how far you're willing to go or what is actually going to be healthy or safe for you. So it's an experiment, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, but you only know, you know, what those are going to look like the more you have, um, I think, you know, the life experience. Yes. I love, oh, you only know the more if you have the life experience. I, that lands on me so hmm. deeply because in my own life, I've felt the, um, I've felt the recoiling after mm-hmm. crossing the boundary. And this kind of, there can be a very... Um, a very well-adorned wall that looks a lot like freedom that we place up for ourselves um, that kind of keeps us conveniently in a space that we, where we don't have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It kind of keeps us conveniently in a space where we just, it, it, we, we risk a little, we risk less, you know, and it's taken time uh, over the years for me to give myself the grace to 
step out of my comfort zone, maintain my boundaries um, in doing so, and then experience life, which life has so many beautiful things that comes with it, so many things that are sometimes painful. But if I shut myself down from any of it, I shut myself down from all of it. Mm -hmm. So keeping myself open to it um, and open to life as I continue to maintain the boundaries and process the highs and the lows and know that all of that is part of the juice that makes um, that makes creativity, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really value the fact that you said that. So thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I just keep thinking of this. And this is such an interesting theme because I explore this all the time with myself and my journaling and, and what I share in my life is this perceived sense of safety. Because often you feel like you're you're safe, you're making the right move, but it's within this sort of boundary, this sort of like box you've put yourself in. And I always think about this Teddy Roosevelt quote that Brene Brown shares about being in the arena. You actually have to put mm-hmm. yourself there. You have to allow yourself to experience hurt and heartbreak and failure and disappointment. But on the other side of that is joy and victory and celebration and love and friendship and everything else in between. But you have to be able to take that risk mm-hmm. to step outside of your you know, boundaries of perceived safety to be able to do so. But I feel like I've done this in baby steps over my life. I like, you know, when you're like, you want to dip your foot in the pool to see like what the temperature is. Like, I feel like I do that sometimes in life. Like I'll just dip a toe in to see, you know, how this feels. It's like a baby step. Um, And so that works for some people. And for other people, it's like taking um, like a big leap into, into the next, into the unknown uh, outside of their comfort zone. And so I always say, do what's going to work best for you, but do it. Allow yourself to uh, step outside of your comfort zone. Um, And that's really, like you shared so beautifully, like that's really where you experience life um, is when you let yourself do that and have the courage to do so. Yes. And and I'll take it even a step further. I think think intimacy to experience, and this is where art and creativity like wraps up really beautifully with the way we live our lives. Mm -hmm. If I am not moving with vulnerability, I'm not moving with vulnerability and being in the arena in my relationships in the world, in my relationship to the world, then I'm, I'm not experiencing intimacy mm-hmm. with the world or with people in the world. Intimacy is born of that vulnerability. And yes, like, uh, like Brene would talk about like trust and the, the, the different ways that we find out how we trust people and um, the kind of boundary living that begets a relationship of uh, rooted trust, and it takes time. That being said, if we don't show up, then how can we know if we can trust? If, mm-hmm. if I don't show up to um, my relationships, if I don't show up to, and even on a personal level, if I don't show up with all of myself in my endeavors as a creative, if I don't show up, how do I know that I can trust myself? You know, there's something to be said about, like you said, leaping into the unknown. I think anything of value, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, in my life, everything of value has happened on the other side of risk mm-hmm. and jumping out. And um, even if it's been, you know, plummeting and, and feeling what it is to plummet and hit the ground, um, there's something. And a lot of times... More often than not, 
when I have the courage to jump out like that, I'm met by a version of myself that I would not have seen otherwise. Mm. It's, it's, it's almost like that version of myself has been waiting for me to show up. Like it's, it's, it's always been there. He's been waiting in the wings, ready to kind of extend and expand and deepen who I am and my function and uh, my creativity in the world. But the only way that he's going to come in and take the reins is if I just go beyond what I feel is my capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because I have found in my life too, the things that I uh, have the most resistance towards, the things that feel like the biggest risk uh, where I'm really putting myself out there and I question myself and can I do this? Am I capable? Do I have the tools? I mean, everything that runs through your head in that moment that's always what I've needed the most. So what I have the most resistance to is often the medicine that I've needed. And you don't know that until you actually do the thing or you put yourself out there or you take that risk or or that opportunity. And I love what you shared that it's within those spaces of growth that you've met a new version of yourself. Um, because mm-hmm. it just that is the process of evolving, right? Is allowing yourself to um, hit highs and lows and um, learn more about who you are. It's really through, we talk often, I think, in the world and in life that it's through hardship and adversity that we really learn the most about ourselves. But I've also found in my life that it's through joy and celebration and moments where I actually let myself experience that joy and celebration because it's not something that's always been easy for me and it's still something I'm working on. But it's within those moments too that I learn the most about myself. How did I let myself show up Um, in a way that I wouldn't have previously? What did I allow myself to experience? How did I speak to myself in those moments? And so I think if we can remember that, that we actually learn about ourselves, we learn a lot about ourselves in moments of joy too. It's my hope that maybe we'll allow ourselves to experience more. Um, Because I think often resistance comes because we expect uh, rejection or we expect adversity mm. or we expect quote unquote failure. Um, but that's, you know, not always going to be the case. Yes. Something may not go your way, but, um, there's so much more that's possible. Mm, absolutely. Oh man, that's so good. That's so good. I'm just saying with that for a second. <laughs> I think that there's this, there is a way that a lot of us are taught to look at joy. And I think that Sometimes as we get older, I think it's a practice Mm -hmm. to cultivate joy a lot of times because as we get older, at least I'll speak for myself, as I got older, joy was looked at and I I thought I started to think of joy as um, adolescent or Mm -hmm. uh, as childish, childish um, or something that you had to give up in order to succeed or to move forward. Joy was not something you could depend on or count on. Um, mm-hmm. Joy was indulgent. It was not, it was not mm-hmm. functional in the world. And so this process, I love what you're saying about valuing joy, valuing joy. Um, as earlier we talked about the emotions that beget alchemy. Joy is that as well. Mm-hmm. Through joy, there is alchemy as well. And there's like, when we... When we, when we mute ourselves, um, and I was, in my life, I, I have a very difficult time experiencing joy. And that's something that I've been practicing, like working on and cultivating. Um, 
back to the experience of being in the play and my mom asking me, Hey, you're in this play now. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. And that's just, you know, one of many milestones that are reached or even birthdays that are reached where my reaction is muted. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I thought for a long time, it was just my personality and I adopted it as a part of my personality, this kind of contained, um, expression of joy. I didn't realize that that also was fear. Mm -hmm. It was just a really, it looked a lot like personality, but it was just fear. Um, because I was, I was afraid to get my hopes up. I was afraid to really, uh, to really get excited about something to really be passionate about something that matters to me or to really receive, to receive the kind of affirmation that comes from putting your all into something and having it come to fruition. Mm-hmm. To receive that has felt like there's been this hint of what this little voice that's like, you can't trust it. You know, you can't trust that. You know, you can't trust it because life isn't like that. Life doesn't, Life isn't, and then I think is, then there goes the core belief of is life actually, is life for me or is life against me? That's this core thing. It's like, am I battling life or am I living with, or, or am I living with and through? Is life a war or is, an, is life an experience? And I've chosen to believe life is an experience um, that has highs and lows, um, but those highs can be beautifully high, and those lows can also be devastatingly low. But it's all part of this experience as opposed to life being a war that I'm navigating where the highs are the place where you get the, where your blind spots um, are activated and you get taken advantage of and someone hurts you. And the lows are just, you're going to, the lows are just, that's the norm. So if things are really, really rough and really, really um, bad and arduous, then like that's the thing to make peace with. Um, that's the thing to expect, which becomes, that's the thing that I'm manifesting. That's the thing that I'm drawing into myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dag Nabbit, that was good. You're great. I mean, I wish you could see my face right now because in so many ways, I feel like I'm speaking to a mirror of myself. Um, this is this is incredible because when you started speaking, I'm not even kidding. When you started sharing about this contained expression of who you are and how for so long you thought it was a personality trait. And I, I was sitting here staring at the wall like, is he really, is he talking about himself or is he talking about me? Because I think so many of us do this and we feel this and we contain ourselves. You make yourself smaller. You mute yourself, as you said, um, to fit into these spaces, to not make noise, to blend in, to, um, to not really experience life fully because of fear. And often I think we're not conscious of this fear. And then the moment you become conscious of it, it's like, oh my God, this is not a personality trait. This is like a learned way of being to quote unquote survive in the world. But I actually don't need to survive this way. There's a different way for me to be that will actually allow me Mm. to thrive. And um, Mm. I've shared this on the podcast so many times, but but I'll share it with you here now. I grew up with a lisp. I was very um, self-conscious of my voice. And as a result, Mm. I I really hid myself and hid my voice. And I used to have like my sister make phone calls for me. She's almost four years younger. I mean, you you name it, I was not willing to do it um, because I didn't Mm. want to face 
um, I know now I didn't want to face rejection and I allowed comments about my voice to then translate into comments about how I felt maybe about the way I looked or the way I thought or I spoke. And so for so much of my life, I was very quiet and it's only been within, I would say maybe the last, I don't know, like five-ish sort of years that I've stepped more fully, I think, into who I am and learning. It's a process Mm. of learning the fullest expression of yourself. You don't wake up one day and go, this is me. I know everything. This is who I am. I'm going to be loud or soft or quiet or it's a process of learning. And I think I'm still um, learning what the fullest expression of Sydney is, but it's a journey Mm. that I wouldn't And I I have a feeling you feel this way too. I wouldn't trade this journey for anything because it's this process Mm. of unpeeling and or peeling back layers or um, getting to know why you thought this way or why you felt this way and that you actually don't need to contain yourself, that the fullest expression of who you are is actually a beautiful gift that the world needs. That's why you're here. But allowing yourself to feel that and experience that and then take it one step further and actually express it and share it. It takes vulnerability, courage, a level of like, I'm just going to do it. Like that feeling you shared at the beginning of the conversation about how with your poetry, it just felt like the next right step. I think that's for so many of us too. When you're ready to and willing to share who you are, it just feels like the next right thing. Um, and you don't mm-hmm. know why, but you just kind of embrace mm-hmm. it and you got to go for it. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Um, thank you for, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, Will Smith has this, I, I'm not sure if he coined it or if he just uses it a lot, but he says, you know, he just says, do it afraid. Mm-hmm. If you think that it, that that is somehow going to just vaporize and disappear, that kind of feeling of, um, that feeling of anxiety or, or whatever it is that is akin to, you know, being at the top of the roller coaster before the, before the whole thing actually starts going. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think that's going to go away, probably not. Um, and you can, I can do, I can still move. I can move forward and be afraid. That's courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, courage is not the, the absolution of fear moving and moving through it, moving in spite of it, um, almost in a lot of times moving with it um, and allowing it to just be in its rightful place. You know, what you shared about um, your journey, I think is, I think is so incredibly powerful. The story of acceptance, of overcoming, of excelling, of evolution, really. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that we all need to know and hear. Oh, 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 you, you said this, you said that it's learning the fullest version of ourselves, the fullest expression mm-hmm. of ourselves. And I, I think that for me, I like to think of it as uh, remembering mm. the, 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 the expression of myself. Cause there was a time it's like when, when, when I leap off a, one of the, the cliffs and I leap in, and I move in courage it's interesting because the version of myself that I meet, it's like, it's not like I'm meeting him for the, like he's saying, you know, welcome home. It's like he's saying, I've been waiting for you. And then it makes me think of, man, you know, I I came into this lifetime and it was like, there was so many layers of things acted on to me that I didn't know. And so much of this 
process of creative creativity and living and the journey and all of this is peeling away so many of the things that are unnecessary that I was told were necessary, that I believed were necessary, usually you know, reinforcing some kind of narrative that I have about it's necessary because I, by myself, am not sufficient, so I need mm-hmm. this, that, and third, um, some unworthiness narrative. But as I continue to peel back the layers, whether it's, you know, laughing the layers off or crying the layers off or... Uh, painting or dancing or writing the layers off. Um, as I do that, it's like, it's like a, there's this mirror that is clearly reflecting, you know, who, like a version of me that has always been. And that version of me that somewhere underneath all of that stuff did celebrate, like was trying to celebrate. You know, that version of me that didn't believe that it was personality that was like, no, I want to feel it. I want to feel it all. It's an element of soul remembrance. Yes! Um, Ooh, and it's, so and it's only, and it's really, I have found for me, and it sounds so parallel to what you just shared, that it's really through this process of curiosity and questioning and deepening um, a relationship with yourself. And that looks different for so many different people. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, did you really access this deepening of self through your writing and your art? Um, before I like go on with my next point, I'm curious for you, is that how you started to access this deeper part of who you are? I started to access this part of me. Yes. Through writing. Yes. Through art. Um, through singing. There is almost a, I think there's a certain kind of frequency is how it feels like there's a vibrational frequency when I'm communicating from that soul space. Mm -hmm. And I used to feel like the only way to touch that frequency was in acting and doing playing roles. And every once in a while I play a role that allowed me to touch that part. And that's why, you know, there was the necessity for acting in my life. That was the only way that I knew to touch that. And as I wrote, and then as I started singing, um, but singing for myself, mm-hmm. there was a time when I was singing, but I was trying to, I was, the only reason I sang was because it was, be, it was for work. I was like, mm-hmm. I need to do this. I need to learn how to do this for that reason. But then there was a moment where I started to sing for me, mm-hmm. um, sing for what felt right writing, um, what was coming out of me, uh, and even dancing and moving to what felt right to me. And as I did that, that part of that, that connected with that soul space mm. and, um, has made me, like, I'm, I'm so invested in that now that, you know, I'm, my boundaries are shifting. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so invested with creating and moving from that soul space that my boundaries are shifting in my and aligning myself to things that um, are not in that soul space are they 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 aren't things that I want to align myself with. And no comment on those things or anything like that. Yeah. Everybody has their path. I'm just finding that. It's like when I tapped into the soul space, it was like this, this like little stream. And then I followed the stream for a while and it hit 
and there was like it, it, it segued and moved into a river. And I'm like, all of this is here, and then the river keeps going, and it's an ocean. I'm like, mm-hmm. all of this is here. I could spend a lifetime like bathing in and exploring what this vessel and what this soul space has to say. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of where I am now. It's just exploration. Oh, this is so good. I wish you could see my face because <laughs> I'm just like, amen, where if I could drop this mic and it wouldn't make a lot of noise, I would do it. Um, like 100% because that's what it is. It's like when you tap into your unique expression and you're so right for every person, it's different. And when you actually realize that those modalities of expression are allowing you to tap in deeper to who you are and tap into maybe a voice within that you didn't know was there or an experience Mm. or something that brings you joy or something that you feel, um, attracted to, I think in the way that you shared, I love what you said. It's within that soul space. You realize there was more and oh my God, I could tap into more. Mm. And it made me feel, um, a certain way that I wanted to continue pursuing it. Mm. I don't know what else to say other than just, it just changes your life. It changes your perspective, your understanding, um, I have found there's more empathy, more compassion that comes from that space and a better understanding Mm. too, I think, of just who you are and why you're here right now. And it goes Mm. back to what we were saying about soul remembrance. We often don't know who we are. We often don't know why we're here, uh, what we're supposed to do, a word that's, I think... Um, used a lot is the word purpose, and I have my own opinion on it, and and we can talk about that another time. But I think our purpose <laughs> is just to to be here and to experience and to and to really love one another, and then from that space of of love, we can create and we can share and we can and we can build, and it goes on and on from there. Um, but the more that you allow yourself to tap into that, and, and I realize this conversation might have gone in a what they would say is a woohoo direction, but I just think it's, I think it was necessary and it makes so much sense. Um, I just, I think it's so powerful. Have you read, um, Gary Zukov's Seed of the Soul? Yeah. Okay. I guess I was going to say, you have to read that book if you haven't. Um, I'm curious, like what else have you read that has spoken to you? I think, um, in terms of your soul or spirituality and, and, and tapping into this space for yourself. Oh, geez. Um, uh, right now, I'm reading this book, Asking It Is Given. Mm-hmm. Um, there's The Power of Now. Um, there's... There's so many. Gee, there <laughs> are. I'm like, okay, what's the, the Celestine Prophecy? Um, oh, there's a, there's, a, mm-hmm. there's a book that I want to make sure. That there's, a, there's this book that I started reading called The One Life We Are Given mm-hmm. by Mark Nepo. And... I just started reading that one recently. Daring Greatly from Brene Brown has been uh, incredible. And there's a there's a sequence there's a sequence of audiobooks by Ram Dass mm-hmm. called Experiments in Truth um, that really shook me up. He there was this quotation. He said. Uh, he was having a conversation and someone was complaining about being in a space with so many different people. And Ram Dass was talking to me and he, he said, you don't want to be with, you don't want to be alone. And he's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. He said, you don't want to be alone because you don't know who you are outside of the eyes of someone else. So if you were alone, you wouldn't exist. 
And I was like, oh, sheesh. How often? I'm like, I'm like, does my, does my, who owns my sense of self mm-hmm. other than me? Whose eyes are, um, whose eyes am I using to see myself other than my own? Um, and what do they see in me? Like, what am I receiving from their eyes? And, and, and is there, how do I see myself? Um, how do I create the, the, the space, cultivate the kind of awareness mm-hmm. to be able to rightfully see myself so that I'm not constantly looking for, looking for someone to tell me who I am uh, and to tell me not only who I am, but to tell me what the value is of the creativity that is in me, mm-hmm. what, the, what the value is of my, uh, my vision or whatever I'm interested in. How do I do that? And so that that journey, I think, is that's one that you know anyone can spend a, a ton of time on. But yeah, um, wow, yeah, that's powerful because whose eyes are on your journey, and then how are you taking their perceptions or their criticism or judgment or whatever it might be and adopting it as your own? Mm-hmm. That's really a huge question. I don't know. I'm just speechless. I just think these are all great books and resources, and I'm going to for sure include them in the show notes for everyone, for everyone to check out. And I think what you just shared so beautifully sums up this conversation of getting to know who you are, not allowing other perceptions to define your worth or your creativity or your sense of self or your freedom or your boundaries. Um, Oh my gosh, there's so much more that we talked about in this conversation. (laughs) I can't thank you enough. This has been so wonderful. And um, I'm so glad that we had the chance to sit down and and to have this conversation. And before we go, I have to ask you the question um, that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. um, And Mm -hmm. it's, what is your biggest dream? Oh, jeepers. Um, My biggest dream. Well, my, my biggest dream... Right now, I think it's going to continue to evolve. But right now, my biggest dream. Oh, actually, hold on. I just wrote an email about this a second ago. I'm going to read it. <laughs> oh, my God. This is great timing. <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, I sent this to a friend of mine, I just, and I, this is verbatim what I wrote. I said, I'm going to write this now for our records. I am going to win a Pulitzer and be a New York Times bestselling author multiple times, as well as bringing in the EGOT as a multi-hyphenate acting, creating, directing, producing across platforms and disciplines, and establishing a publishing house. Doula Publishing, this is the working title, bringing the unadulterated, uncompromising, non-GMO content into the world, championing the, the creator's vision above all else, innovating, challenging, and in the end, steering the market. This is going to be a long road, but I know that there are many parts that are going to move at a fast pace. The vision is sure to expand and encompass more, there is a necessity to tell stories that swim in the gray areas. Gray area. That's the working title for my production company. Hmm. Um, yeah. So those right now, that's the career wise. That's the biggest goal. And personally, it's just to keep staying curious and evolving, stay open and to keep leaping into the unknown. Um, I'm, I haven't become everything that I'm becoming. And I just want to keep on becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. This is beautiful. You took the first step of speaking <laughs> the dream into existence as an affirmation. Um, 
which I think is so powerful. I'm so excited to share this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending this time. And oh my God, like my mind is swimming. There's still so much more we could have talked about, but John, where can everybody find you, connect and learn more? And I, and we didn't even talk about Zoe's extraordinary playlist, but you play Simon. So <laughs> where can everybody find you? Oh my God. See, I told you there's so much. Um, where can everybody find you and follow along and, and read your beautiful poetry? Um, you can find me on, uh, on Instagram at J, it's the letter J, S-T-E-W-I-I-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Stuart underscore I-I-I. And uh, yeah, I there's some poetry that's up on Instagram um, if you want to read any of it. And also I'm working on a, I am working on a book right now. Nice. And then in due time, that'll come out and any information about that will be on either of those platforms as well. Perfect. Everything's going to go in the show notes. Um, I'm also going to include a link to list, to check out your newest show because we didn't even talk about it. But I'm. this has been so awesome. Thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. This was great. The only Bye. other thing I didn't ask was if you wanted to read any of the poetry on the show. But I, I realized just now I didn't even ask you if you wanted oh, to do that. I mean, sure. I'll read poetry on the show. Like now? Like now? I, I, did, I just thought about it right. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, there's so many thoughts. I just had this moment of, oh, my God, I didn't. We're talking about his writing and his poetry. And I didn't even ask if he wants to read it on the okay. show. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, it's cool. okay. <laughs> Let me see if there's anything that's really short. Because I feel like we are definitely, this is. This is a long one, but it was good. It is. I mean, trust, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I'm excited. This oh, is good. invigorating. Good. I'm so this glad. so wonderful. Good. Good. That's so nice to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes. Let's see. This is, okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could love you. The thought circles me. I witnessed its, its birth, usually dead in short time. This feels different, not transient, like truth, like I've known you before, never believed in past lives until you, until now, like seeing you again. And this time I won't die before telling you, I feel like I could love you heart open, gaping and somehow all right, you saw me and didn't run. You held me when I cried. I held you, wiped the tear from your eyes. More than a fable, more than a myth, or books and pages, you are real. That's it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm excited <laughs> to include this. This is awesome. Thank you for sharing this. Oh my God. Of course, Joe. This is so good. Oh, John, thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm going to officially stop recording. This was, this was so good. I'm so excited to share it. <laughs>